Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So you've crafted your pages of backstory, set each ability score and ability modifier, figured out your class features, and your character is ready to play, but... How much gold do you start with in D&D 5e? How much is this armor? Do I have the money I need for these kinds of spell components? How much does my DM care? And is this going to be kind of an issue for me if I don't care about the economy as much as they do? Well, luckily for you and your wallet, that's what we're going over in today's quick video. Hey there everyone, I'm Patrick Ferguson from Skull Splitter Dice today in animated form as I am on the road at the time of recording this video, so I hope that that's okay. One of the most common misconceptions I see during 5e character creation is that players think they get a random amount of starting gold and the equipment from their background and class for their character wealth. But in reality, it's a choice. The official rules are that you get to choose between a random amount of starting gold or the starting gold and equipment from your background and class. The logic between picking either one is a bit finicky, so let us go through the rough guide of each method and pick one out for you. When using the random starting gold method, you'll make a number of d4 rolls depending on your starting class to determine your initial wealth. You should make these rolls in front of your DM, and taking this method is typically riskier. You have a chance of rolling much more gold, but the average gold rolls will be about the same or less than you would just taking your basic starting equipment option. If you choose this method, you can find your starting gold in each average dice roll on the following helpful chart. It's worth mentioning that because the Artificer class was added after this chart was introduced, we don't know how much an Artificer should start with using this method. I've yet to find any official errata or statement concerning it, but it seems that most DMs agree that the Artificer is most similar to a wizard and should probably get about the same amount of starting gold. So if you use this method and you're playing an Artificer, talk with your DM about it, but a good likely compromise is 4d4 times 10 gold. Now when it comes to spending gold before session 1, this method essentially generates you a pool of gold which you can use to buy all the gear your character will start with. Generally, this gives you access to everything with a gold price in the player's handbook, though your DM may decide certain things are unavailable. The most important things you'll need to make sure you get is, of course, your armor, which your character will wear, assuming your character wears any, weapons, typically both a melee and a ranged option is recommended, and some basic adventuring gear like rope, a backpack, or anything specific you think you might need for the setting that you're in. If you're a spellcaster, make sure you get a spellcasting focus, or spell component pouch, and it doesn't hurt to keep a gold piece or two left over, so you have some spending money once the game starts. The other method for determining what gold and equipment you start out with is very simple. 
When you create your character, your background and your class options both provide you with equipment and a pouch of gold. Exactly what you get depends on what background and class you picked, and the class equipment usually has several options within it. Simply add together each gold piece and the stuff you got from your background with what you picked out from your class. As a quick point of reference, here's all the gold quantities you get from all, well, you know, the core books anyway, the backgrounds on a handy alphabetical chart. No surprise here that living it up as an aristocrat gets you the most starting gold with the noble 25 gold pieces. But what if I'm starting at a higher level? Well, technically you get the same exact equipment if you're starting as a first level character or a campaign with characters starting at 20th level. But most DMs will throw you a bone and do gold by the level. Tucked into the Dungeon Master's Guide, we can find a great little chart presenting the DM with options for higher level starting gold and equipment for characters above level 4. Keep in mind, though, that your Dungeon Master is under no obligation to use these, but these are good guidelines for what starting at a higher level looks like. As a weird side note here, you can see on the chart that there's no way to start with a common magic item as it skips straight to uncommon magic items. Uncommon magical items are better, obviously, but if there are common items that you really want, most DMs will let you substitute those in, and particularly nice ones might even let you get more than one common magic item in exchange for the uncommon ones. It's also likely that you'll be limited to magic items from the Player's Handbook or Dungeon Master's Guide, rather than homebrew items or items from specific adventure paths. Assuming you are given the choice as to which method to go with, and your DM just didn't tell you which one to use, you have that decision to make. Do you take the starting gear as is, or do you risk a roll of the dice for the chance of some more gold to spend on starting gear? Just as the statistics pan out, you're unlikely to win on these rolls, and get more than you would just taking the starting gear as is. There are, however, a few builds and combinations where it might be in your favor to go ahead and roll, such as builds with obscure equipment. The starting equipment packages in D&D 5th edition give you more gold pieces worth of stuff on average than rolling. But what if you want different or very specific stuff, or have a weird equipment route planned out? Your character design may include blowguns and darts, or maybe even have you getting some cool ideas on how to use alchemist's fires. Maybe you really want to cast a bunch of chromatic orbs, and you just need all the diamonds that you can get your hands on. Whatever the build is, if it is using equipment not found in your class, or your class equipment package rather, you may need to roll for it instead. Or let's say you're like me and you're playing a bard for the hundredth time. For whatever reason, the bard class on average gets more gold when rolling than their starting package is worth, to the tune of usually about 25 gold pieces. Statistically, it's better to roll for starting gold when playing a bard basically every time rather than taking their starting packages. This still has the potential to blow up in your face if you get a really bad roll, just like anything that a bard typically tries to do, but mathematically, you should come out on top. Another time to consider it is if your build uses cheaper packages. The backgrounds simply give you a set number of specific items in gold, but the class packages usually give you options. Weapon A or Weapon B, Armor Set A or Armor Set B, that kind of thing. And while the most expensive options from among them might be better than rolling for gold, if you're planning to take the cheaper items, it might not be the best choice anymore. For example, in the Sorcerer's Starting Equipment, you get your choice between a light crossbow and 20 bolts, or any simple weapon. A light crossbow and 20 bolts costs about 26 gold pieces, but if you weren't planning on messing with a crossbow and wanted a spear instead, which costs one gold piece, you've basically cost yourself 25 gold pieces worth of value for no good reason. The starting equipment packages are balanced for the pricey maximum equipment options, not the cheap minimum equipment options. 
and if all you want is cheap equipment choices, you're almost always going to be better off rolling than taking the package. All that said, if none of these special cases apply to you at all, you'll almost always get a better value out of taking the standard starting equipment than you would rolling for gold coins. Martial classes, and particularly the Paladin class, should almost always take the equipment packages since they essentially need a perfect roll to beat the package value, and an average roll will usually lose them considerable value. The background equipment and class equipment typically combine into a set of decent starting equipment no matter what you choose. But how does currency work in 5e? How much is a platinum piece? And my dungeon master handed out something called Electrum Coins. What the heck are those? The D&D economy runs on coins. Each coin, regardless of its metal, weighs a troy ounce, which is roughly a third of an ounce or .32 ounces. Thus, no matter the denomination, your coinage will weigh roughly one pound per 50 coins. Most things are listed in gold pieces, abbreviated GP, but there are a lot of coins in Dungeons & Dragons. Just in case your DM hands you a bag of mixed change or loot, you need a gold calculator, and here's a handy little chart with the exchange rates. And for those of you that feel a little intimidated by this, I wouldn't worry. I don't know too many dungeon masters that take the economy very seriously unless they are building the whole adventure around it. You know, if you're working as a city council, if you're thieves, if you have a base, if survival's on the line. There aren't a lot of times that I see DMs really go hardcore into the economy aspect of Dungeons & Dragons, but you never know. We are currently running a Fantasy Flight Games Star Wars RPG campaign at my table, and already distinguishing between Republic credits and the Outer Rim Woipiopi is kind of already just, like... <laughs> a task. For Star Wars, you definitely don't need anything like that, but for D&D, that kind of economy works better. Uh, I'm basically just in a long-witted way saying, if that sort of stuff doesn't seem fun to you, uh, just cut it. Thank you guys so much for watching. I really appreciate it. Be sure to like and subscribe because we put out new videos like this every week. Uh, they're usually not um, just my floating head. They're usually live action. So if that sounds appealing to you, feel free to check out the rest of our catalog. And if you guys have a topic in mind that you'd like me to cover on one of these videos, please let me know down in the comments. And if you guys have any unique takes on how you handle the economy in your D&D campaign, I would also love to hear about those down in the comments as well. Thanks again for watching. My name is Patrick Ferguson from Skull Splitter Dice, and until next time, farewell.